0: Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. your back i said i hate it oh my lightning strike me down if i lie, me no one be around with my tongue's untied, everybody says it's okay, all the little things I say with my big fat mouth my big fat mouth, la 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 Good morning, Church. How are we doing this morning? Good morning. Good morning. morning. Hey, my name is Jeff. Um, If you don't know me, I got a big fat mouth. Uh, I'll be the first to admit it. Uh, But today we're going to be going into another week of My Big Fat Mouth. And this gives us another opportunity for us to look inward um, and search ourselves so that we can become people who are quick to listen and slow to speak Today, I I think this is going to be a really, really good one. To all you online listeners, thank you so much uh, for listening online, and to everyone else, you know, strap up, strap in, uh, because it's about to go down. Um, But today, before we start, I want to kind of correct a mistake that I made with my big fat mouth last week. Um, So, last week we talked about the Israelites. And how they were complaining in the middle of God's blessing. And I was like, I was just going on. I was was on it, guys. I was just running my mouth, you know? And I was like, and they were freed from the Romans. Like, okay, if that went over your head, read the Old Testament. It's really, really good. Um, But if it didn't, all you Bible scholars know that Rome wasn't even a thing at this time. They were freed from Egypt. And Pharaoh, so um, we're all a work in progress, and my big fat mouth got me in trouble. Um, but this is a great segue into today's talk, um, and today's talk is the problem of criticism. So I want to give everyone a chance to look at your neighbor and do the, <clears throat> you know, get get that out right now. Um, <clears> hun, <throat> hun. hung, Hun. Hun. You know get that out. Um, because we've been acting and we've been joking, we've been laughing about this sermon series. But I think we should take this really serious. Because this sermon series is not called Your Big Fat Mouth. What is it called, guys? My Big Fat Mouth. So we're, we're done pointing and shrugging. We're done with that. It's time for us to look inward and talk about ourselves. Um, so I want to start with a story. So growing up, I was, I didn't really have my father. Um, and because of that, I kind of seeked like a male like, person to get gratification um, and kind of like the acceptance I wanted from my dad. Naturally, that's what um, boys do. Um, and so for the last like six years, God has been working, like healing me of that hurt and breaking down those walls. Um, I'm still a work in progress. Say, say amen if you are as well. I guess everyone's perfect. Good job. Congrats, guys. You made it. Matter of fact, here, let me get off stage. You come teach. Um, but when I was in high school, uh, I, I, was, I was a pastor. I'm sorry. I wasn't a pastor in high school. I played football, um, and I played sports, and I was good at it. And so when people saw that I – people, they wanted to be my friend. They wanted to, like, oh, I'm a to mentor you. I'm a to mentor you. You're my – you're my you're – my, or whatever they call that, you know? And my junior year of high school, I dropped out of of high school. Um, And it's really crazy that God would make me a youth pastor with high school students when I'm a high school dropout. Um, But God works in mysterious ways. But in that time, I mean, I was in a very, probably the lowest one in my life. Um, And I remember one day we were walking in the church and he looked at me and said, you're a waste of time you're a waste of talent, and you're a waste of space. You never amount to much of anything. So today, I want to talk about the problem of criticism. And I'm not talking about, like, the, the constructive criticism that you give um, to people that you love. You know, hey, Jeff, you shouldn't say, it's okay for your children to hate you. You shouldn't say, I'm stupid, you're I'm stupid, you're stupid, we're all stupid for I stupid. That's what I said My first time being on stage, like, you shouldn't do that, man. I love you, but, you know, got to watch out for that. I'm not talking about constructive criticism. I'm talking about the nitpicking, unkind, and cruel criticism that sometimes go on. So I want us to say it again. What is this sermon series called? My Big Fat Mouth. And it's critical for us to understand the problem of criticism because it's really hard for us to see criticism in the mirror. Am I right? but it's real easy for us to point out other people's faults, right? It's like, oh, I just can't stand the way that they think. Look, at they're so unorganized. They're never planning. They never know what they're talking about. They're so weird. They, they, you should see the way that they drive. I mean, come on. God, and like, I want you to understand that I know what's best for your life. God has a great plan for you, and so do I. And so when you fall short from that, when you sh- fall short from that, I have to correct you. I mean, look at what they post on social media. Like you, like they say they love Jesus. I don't think they love Jesus. I think they love UK basketball. Wanna know why? Because they post about that way more than they do Jesus. Like, yeah, he blocked uh, he blocked the dunk, but guess what? Jesus blocks sin and death. So you should, so you should, so you should um, correct the way that you correct the way that you think. And I mean, who needs to go to the beach four or five times in a summer? Like, come on, who needs that? You don't, you don't have enough money. You haven't saved, right? I've watched you. You can't afford that. And so I want to go through some verses, or a verse that I think a lot of us know, but a lot of us don't really know what comes after that. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. If you, if you have your phones, get off Facebook, get off your Instagram, go to your Bible app, um, and go to Galatians 5, 14 and 15. I'll give you a second. It says, for the whole law can be summed up to one command. Love your neighbor as, excuse me, love your neighbor as yourself. We know that. We love that. We live that. You know, I want to love my neighbor. I don't know my neighbor's name, but I'm going to love him. I love him from right there. Just don't park in my side. But if you are always biting, this is the part. If you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out and beware of destroying one another. Love your neighbor as yourself, but be careful of always biting, always being critical, always cutting down people, and always using harsh words, and be careful that that could destroy the people around you. And you don't understand how much critical words can destroy the potential intimacy in your marriage. What if your critical words are actually causing a wall between you and your children? What if your critical words is actually stopping you from sharing the good news of Jesus because no one wants to really be around you? You know, you say, oh, no one really cares about me. No one really cares about what I say. Whenever I say something, people always shoot it down. Every time I have an opinion, people don't really listen to me. Maybe it's not that people don't listen or people don't care what you say. Maybe it's every time you're around them, you give, you're cutting them down. You're critical. You know, the wise thing that I've heard is said, you know, people don't want to be around you because you're always bitter. They want something sweet. You know, people don't want to be around bitter and critical people. So I want to go through a verse really quick, um, a couple of verses that talk about how we should use our words. Proverbs 12, 18. Says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. You know, cutting remarks like the in-law or the auntie you got, you know, before they come over, you clean up the whole house, you know, everyone's running around trying to get the house clean and they come in and they walk through the house like this. And then the cat like jumps on the counter and she's, and then they're like, oh my goodness. You should not let your cat jump on the counter like that. That is very unsanitary. I'm like Deborah. Listen, I don't know if there's a Deborah. I'm sorry. That's the name I came up (laughs) with. If your name is Deborah, I apologize. Deborah, listen, I I can't cut the cat's legs off. Sometimes he jumps on the counter. When he jumps on the counter, I, I push him off the counter. People, if you all have a way to keep the cat off the counter, let me know. Like, I don't. I can't stop the cat from doing that. But always, every time this person comes, they're just always cutting down with their remarks. But the wise use the words to bring healing. Some people cut down, hurt, and criticize. But the wise build up and bring healing. It said Paul says in Ephesians 4, 29, if you're writing that down, go ahead and get it written. It says, it says, do not use foul and abusive language. I'm like, oh well, that. Counsels me out. Let everything you say be good and helpful, even in the midst of football season. Kentucky fans. <laughs> so that your words will be, incur- be an encouragement to those who need to hear it. He's saying do not let any unhelpful, unwholesome, impure words come out of your mouth to tear people down, but let the words that come out of your mouth bring healing and build people up according to their needs. I want you all to understand this morning is you have no idea how a single word of criticism can affect someone and stick with them for their entire lives. My father told me that I was retarded and I wouldn't amount to anything. And you have no idea on the other side of that how a single word of encouragement can build someone up and give them the faith they need to go on. Your words have so much power. Be careful of how you speak. Some make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. And this happened for me. You know, that guy told me, man, you're a waste of space. You never amount to anything. I had teacher's and it's really weird that I had teachers tell me that I would not amount to anything. I guess it's just because I was bad. But I think there's no such thing as a bad kid. He just needs to understand, like, hey, you're hard at it. But hey, if you switch that, you'll be a great leader. You have no idea how, how those words can stick with people. I mean, I'm still working through the, the, the abusive talk that my father gave me, and I'm 27. And then I met my friend Jason. And this is a guy who I met at a wedding. And he just was like, man, I like the way you are. I like how crazy you are. People need to see that, man. I trust you. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. And if it wasn't for Jason, I wouldn't be sitting in front of you today. Halfway because, you know, he's the pastor of this church, and to be up on the stage, you kind of got to get his permission. He has to put you in planning center, and you have to prepare. You have to prepare a sermon and get up on stage. But the other reason why is because... Like, him speaking that life into me catapulted me into my destiny. You have no idea how one word of criticism can put someone down, and you have no idea how one word of encouragement can build someone up. See, see that guy, what he said, it, it took life away from me. But the words, the kind words from my friend Jason, has brought life into me. It's because your voice, the words you say, had the power to bring forth life and death. So I want to answer this question today, and we'll go through two different options. But the question is, what type of person do you want to be? The first person is a fault finder, and honestly. A lot of us are this because of our sin nature. We tend to look at the negative in others and focus on that. If you're married, um, be careful because it's very easy to be a fault finder. I mean, am I right, married people? Like you're like, I don't like the way you sit at the table. I don't like how loud you walk up the steps. I don't like how long it takes for you to shower. I don't like how you smell. I don't like what you do with your dirty clothes. I don't like the way you breathe. You know, like you guys are laughing probably because you've had this talk. And marriage is amazing. I promise marriage is the best thing you ever do. But are you at work, maybe? I don't like the way that they run their meetings. They're so disorganized. I don't like the way that they talk. I don't like the way that they plan. I don't like the way that they, I don't like the way that they look on Facebook. And I'm not judging. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm, just, I'm not judging. I'm just saying. I don't like the way that they raise their kids. I mean, do you see that? You see their kids? I mean, we might as well just go ahead and just put them in prison right now because, I mean, they are, the the smocks are laughing. (laughs) 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 We might as well just go ahead and, I don't know, we got to call somebody. I don't like the way that they drive their car. They got that Jesus fish bumper. Mm, You don't love Jesus, I can tell and it's so easy to be a fault finder am i right and but the problem is when you are a fault finder you look a lot like the pharisees you look a lot like the people that were pharisees back in the days of, of back in Jesus's days and more so than that you look like the devil because we learned last month that he is the accuser right and so, and so the devil accuses, he brings forth the faults of us and puts them like, hey, you're this, you're that, you'll never be that. Satan was a fault finder. And the reality is it's really easy for us to do that. And it's because maybe we're full of pride. We know what's best. I know what's best. I know what to do. I got the best plans. I am the best planner on the earth. I have 17 plan books for 2018. Or maybe and this is my problem, maybe it's your insecure. Maybe it's your insecurity is causing you to point out the faults in other people. Maybe the things that you point out in others, the faults that you point out in others is actually your weaknesses. Or maybe it's the fact that you just don't understand. You know, you're criticizing on things that you don't even understand. You know, like if you don't have kids, listen, you don't have kids, don't tell me, when I can take this pacifier away from this six-year-old, okay? It's okay. You ain't got no kids. How about this? When's the last time you had six hours of sleep? Oh, last night? Oh, I had six hours of sleep six years ago. So don't talk to me about how to raise my kids. You ain't even got no kids. I saw a post on Facebook, my friend posted it. He said it was like someone laughing, and it was like, LOL to all the people that complain about being tired and they don't have kids. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I like, there was one time, <laughs> there was one time, this is before I met Lindsay. Um, one of my friends was married and he was like in the first year, and we were in a group together. And this, I mean, it was just so stupid of me. I was like, bro, you just need to, bro, listen, dude, just put the controller down, man. Love your wife. PlayStation is not the, listen, we can play, you can play later, dude. Put the controller down, man. When she needs you, you just serve, you serve your wife, man. Love your wife as Christ loved the church, giving his life to her. And then I got married. <laughs> and I realized how hard it really is to put that controller down. It's like, listen, the trash needs to be taken out right now, not in 10 minutes. The trash needs to be taken out right now because someone is coming in nine minutes. We got to get everything clean. We need to make it the, look, the, look like the house Looks like no one lives there. Like, we need to get this perfectly clean and it needs to look like, an, it needs to look like Ikea. <sighs> I'm working through this, guy. And some of us think that our criticizing words actually make us look smart. You know, we sit there and we're like, I have the best ideas. Look at all my ideas. People should listen to me. I look so good in my criticism. It's like, no, you actually look really insecure and really mean-spirited. Ask yourself this question. Name one critical person that you wanted to be like. I'll wait. You ever look at someone like, oh, I just like the way that they boss people around. Look at, oh, you see his face when he looked at them? He was doing like that. It's like an eyebrows. There's something weird. I want to be just like that person. No, I've never met a critical person that I wanted to be like in my life. So the second person that that I want to ask you, know who do you want to be like? Is a hope dealer, and that's hope with an H, not dope. Hope. <laughs> 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 well, we're not in Colorado. This isn't that type of church. A hope dealer. <laughs> Jason let me back on stage. He probably won't let me back again. But do you want to be a hope dealer? Romans 15, 13 says this. Listen for the hope. Listen for the hope. Listen. It says, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul was a hope dealer. Everything that he wrote, everything he wrote, gave people hope. It didn't tear people down. These are like this is some of the things he said. It's crazy. He says, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. He says, in your weaknesses Christ is made strong. He said there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He says, and that gives me hope. He says there nor death or life, demons or angels, powers of the presence of the powers of the past or the future. No height nor death On height or depth, it's really hard for me to use my big mouth at times. (laughs) Nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of God. Like if that doesn't give you hope, I don't know what can. Jesus was a hope dealer. And these are some of the things that they called him. They called him the breath of life. They called him the good shepherd. They called him the door, the vine, the alpha and omega. First Timothy called him our hope. Titus 2, if it ain't Jesus, don't pick it up. Titus 2 said Jesus, they called they call Jesus the living or the blessed hope. First Peter called him the living hope. See, the Pharisees pointed out sin. They were thought finders. But Jesus came, called sin what it is. He didn't dismiss sin. Jesus did not dismiss sin. But he called them to, he gave them hope. He was a hope dealer to give them the, the strength to walk away from their bondage. Like the woman caught in adultery. I love, I love this story. You know, the Pharisees pulled this lady out in the, in the midst of her sin, and they threw her in the middle of the road in front of everyone. And they were just like, this woman deserves to die. The law says she deserves to die. She's an adulteress. And Jesus, like, like, kneels down in the dirt and he starts to write something. And no one knows what he wrote, but I would like to think, you know, he wrote the things that he tells me sometimes. You're awesome. You're beautiful. I love you. There's nothing that you can do to separate me from you. And then he looks at these Pharisees, these fault. And he says, let the person without sin cast the first stone. And I love this part when I kind of pull back the curtains. The only person without sin, the only person like with, with the right to call forth fault, the only person with the right to stone or criticize was Jesus. And what was he doing? He was giving her hope. And one by one, these salty old men walked away. And I love love that story. Jesus looked her in the eyes and said, hey, I forgive you. In me, there's forgiveness. Now go and sin no more. So what do you want to be? A hope dealer or a fault finder? And I want to say this really quick. I, I talked to someone this morning, and she was telling me how, like, what we've been talking about has actually, like, helped her through her week. Like, her week has been so much better because she has not been complaining. And it just got me so happy and excited. I'm just like, man, that's so awesome. And she's just like, man, like, I don't even care. Like, I'm just focusing on the good and letting God lead. I love that. But my question is, how are you moving through this? Do you just come on Sunday and just, you know, listen to Jeff make jokes and then, go home? Or do you apply this and let it sink in? Because because God's word is being breathed. Are you breathing it in? What are you doing about it? Are you changing? I love your story. It's so awesome. And that, that gave me hope, honestly. That gave me hope to continue to be up here on this stage. And honestly, like, it's really tough, if I'm being honest. It's really tough to talk to older people. I like teenagers that you, you can say whatever you want on stage with them. But there's a student who I, when I was, I was working at a camp called Kids Across America, and there was a student, and this kid, man, he was like the hardest kid. You know, the kid that you see and like, ooh, lock, lock the doors roll up the windows, you know? And this kid was just so, he was just so hard. He's always mad. And he, he was in my cabin, and I remember talking to him and, you know, just getting to know his story, just getting to know who he is. And after getting to know him, I realized that he's doing things that he shouldn't do so that he could provide for his family. He's being abused. He doesn't know his pops. So much stuff is going on in this kid's life. And I, and I was just like, man, dude, your story is a lot like mine, dude. I love you. And I remember him looking at me and saying, you don't know me. You don't love me. You can't love me. You don't know me. You don't love me. I was like, yes, I do. And there's nothing you can do to stop me from loving you. And so I worked at this count for about four years, and it was only a week long. We only had a week with these students. And every single year, this, this, this kid, because he was like 16, he's a kid. Every single year, he'd be less hard. Smiling more, and then I remember on the last, like his senior year, he he was. I remember talking to him. I was like, man, you you got this, dude. He's he graduated. You're about you graduated. You're about to go to college, dude. You got this. I'm proud of you. He's like, thank you, thank you. Now this kid is in college. He's making music, like really really good music. And he he hit me up, and he was like, hey. I just want you to know that you helped me through the darkest time of my life. You helped me through the darkest time of my life. I've forgiven my father. I've worked through that pain, and I'm in school. So do you want to be a hope dealer or a fault finder? You have no idea how your words of criticism can, what that does to the self-esteem and the intimacy of your spouse. You have no idea that when you're hard on your kids, how it belittles them and distances you from them. You have no idea how foolish you look criticizing people to make yourself look better. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but that That builds that that which builds people up according to their needs. So, what if your kid isn't the most athletic, or the neatest, or the coolest, or does the things that you want to do, or that you did? So, what? Speak life into them, because it matters. Like, it really does. I looked up to my dad, I wanted to be just like my father, drug dealer, messenger doing whatever with women. I wanted to be him because I I saw my dad as my father. You have no idea, fathers, how important it is that you speak life to your children, especially your daughters. You're beautiful. You're so beautiful. You have no idea how much I love you. There's nothing that you could do to make me stop loving you. And who cares, you know, if your husband isn't the neatest or the cleanest or the smell goodiest. Speak life into him. You are such a sexy man. Look at those biceps. You could pick up a tree out the dirt. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for providing and working so hard to provide for our family. Husbands, speak life into your wives. I know it's hard to encourage verbally because we weren't given that. It's hard for us to express our emotions, but speak, speak life into your wives. I don't know how you're a mom. You are such an amazing mom. How do you do that? We got 17 of them. How do you do that? You're such an amazing mom. Thank you for loving our kids. Thank you for cleaning up. Thank you for, thank you for making me food. Thank you for doing these things, I appreciate you. You have no idea how important your words are. You have no idea. So what type of person do you wanna be, church? What type of person do you want to be? For me, I was very critical, and I still struggle with criticism. And I, and I was very critical of my, my team here. And I realized, like, my criticism in them was just my my insecurities of myself. The things that I was like, "Oh man, you should be like this. She should be like, gotta do this, gotta do that." I've ruined. I almost burned bridges down because of my criticism. But then when I realized that, like, it was actually my sin, it was actually my hurt. I put that in the light of Jesus. And I realized that, listen, I have no room to criticize. You want to know why? Because I'm just as broken. I need just as much grace. You have no idea. And I want to be, I mean, I said I'm sorry, but I want you all to know that I apologize for being critical. When I don't need to be. How can I be critical if I'm saved by the same and grace you are? So what type of people do you want to be, church? I want to be a part of a church that is filled with hope dealers. That every time we walk out of this place, we're just encouraging people on the corner. It's really fun. I I do it all the time. People are like, what? You got a nice hat. "Thank, Thank you? You have no idea how a single word of encouragement. Man, I believe in you. I believe in you how that can push someone towards Jesus and how a single word of criticism can kill and destroy someone. You're a waste of time. You never amount to anything. So what type of person do you want to be? A fault finder or a hope dealer? Let's pray. Hey, Jesus. I thank you... um, Just for the opportunity to to worship you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your patience, your goodness, and your kindness. I pray, Lord God, that you help us to use our mouths and the words we speak to look more like you and point people toward you. God, I thank you for these people. I pray that they see you today more than they saw you yesterday, and they see you more tomorrow on Monday. Monday sucks, but you are good. I pray that they see you more. We see you more tomorrow than we did today. It's in your lovely, precious name we pray. Amen. Let's worship God.